Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Hello, City Bridge, and welcome back to a study through a small book of the Bible, the book of Colossians. And we're going to be talking about the big truth found there, that Jesus is everything we need. Uh, my name is Dan White, and I'm a volunteer around here, and I'm thrilled to uh, be able to serve in areas like men's Bible study or in our equipping classes, uh, Devote Daily. And I want to introduce you to my family. Uh, this is my wife, uh, Robin, and she is on staff here, and she's a rock star in the equipping ministries. Yeah, go Robin. And uh, those are our kids, uh, Aiden, Gavin, and Madeline. I'm so proud of them and everything God's doing uh, in their lives. And then there's me. Um, I might be new to you. And, and hey, let's, let's be honest. Like I don't have Kyle Kegler's cool snappy glasses and I don't have David Levithal's a beautiful mind for connecting all the passages in the Bible. And I certainly don't have David Marvin's sick moves when he's dropping a stellar point and uh, helping us take it home, right? But I am excited to talk to you today uh, about a topic that hits pretty close to home for me uh, because it has been a huge part of my own journey and a question I have been asking. Because today is all about one question, one question that we all ask at some point in our lives, a question so big and so pressing for me that I've asked it in times of, of frustration and grief and close to discouraged despair. And here is that question. Why can't I change? You ever asked that question? I have. After falling into the same old habits with lust or pride or anger, when the ugly sin that I swore I would never fall into again rears its ugly head back in my life, I've asked the question, why can't I change? And I really want to change because change matters, not just for me. Walking with God matters. Obedience matters. Because if we were different, if I'm different, the lives of the people around me would be different. And if I grew in this area and got more mature, if I got better, it would be better for the people around me. So why can't I change? Just this past week, and this is embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyway, uh, I was sitting uh, in my room and I was like, you know, my kids are younger, but they're growing up fast, and I really got to take advantage of every opportunity that I can to, to pour into their lives. And then my daughter came in and she asked me to do something I really did not want to do, and I'm like, oh, later, honey. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what was I, why can't I change? What am I doing here? And it's embarrassing, but it's not true. And, and maybe you're asking that question right now about an area in your life. Maybe uh, you're dating and you're eager for God to bring you a spouse and you think, man, there's a right way to do this and there's a damaging way to do this and you keep racing past the emotional and physical boundaries that you've put in your dating relationships. And so you're not preparing for marriage, you're actually complicating your future one. And you think, no, I need to change, but then you go right past those boundaries. Or maybe you're just trying to lose some weight because you want to be, you have more energy for the relationships in your life. And you're like, I really need to change this. But you keep eating the donuts in the break room or snacking while you watch Netflix at night. And you're like, why can't I change? You might say to me, hey, hey Dan, like, you don't know me. Speak for yourself. All right, buddy, back off. I can change if I want to. And to you, I would say, I understand the feeling, but how, you know how I know you can't change on your own? 
because you would have already if you could. Change matters. And when you run up against that question in your life, why can't I change? You probably do one of two things like all of us. You either give up or you get serious about it. Like maybe you're giving up because you're like, I'm never going to that area. I haven't been able to beat this thing. I guess I won't be able to ever. And so you're getting passive there. So you play this sin management game where you try to hide your messes from others and from yourself. You make excuses. You blame others. And the reason is, if you're honest, you, you gave up about growing mature in that area. On the other hand, there's a whole other type of person, and uh, these people go hard, right? You hear all the messages, and you run up against that wall, and you're like, man, I'm really struggling in this area, and you're like, I got to change. And so you try harder, and you seek deeper spiritual experiences, and you get more disciplined, all those things we talked about last week. But you've discovered the bitter truth of Colossians 2.23, where it says this, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom going hard, looks good, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. It just doesn't work. And I don't need to tell you, our bad habits are hurting us and the people around us. So how can we experience lasting change? How can we experience lasting change? And this is why I am so glad that Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17 are in the Bible because from this passage, we are going to discover three assets, three things that are available to us, to every Christian, to help them change. And the first is in the first four verses. So go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3 in your Bible or Bible app, and we're going to check it out uh, in verse 1 together. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> then you will also appear with him in glory. <clears throat> I'm not getting emotional, I just dry air here. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so if you're a follower of Jesus, the first thing we discover is that we have lasting change uh, we have an asset for lasting change, and it's our new position. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you can put it this way. If you're taking notes, write this down. In Christ, I have a new position. Look at that first word at the beginning of verse 1. It says, since. Since, because since you have been raised with Christ, since you have died with Christ, and since your life is now hidden with Christ in God, well, what is Paul saying here? What is he even talking about? Paul is saying, that when you became a Christian, your situation completely changed. In Christ, you have a new position. It's like this. Before Christ, we are all lost in our sins. Every one of us who has ever walked the earth except for Jesus, lost in our sins. Every one of us choosing our own way over God's way. And honestly, maybe you're here and that's how you're living. And you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. And I'd say, I'm glad that you're here, exploring, listening, open-minded, seeing if there's anything to this Jesus story. I think you're going to like where we're going here in just a moment. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul uses a metaphor to help us understand our new situation, to help us understand what the cross is all about. And the picture he uses is of a list of requirements that was against us, each and every one of us. Like if you got called into the police station, they take you to that interrogation room, and they, they slam down a file. 
And Paul is saying, there's a metaphorical file on you. This is your file. And in this file is a list of all of your sins, your sinful record. And if we were to flip through this, we would find everything you've ever done wrong. And obviously, it'd be longer than my illustration can do, okay? Because we all got a long rap sheet. And in here, you'd find your very first swear word, your most hateful thoughts, your ugly private things that you think about the people that you don't like, and the very public outburst at your kid's sporting event. All of it would be listed in here. Every single selfish, godless, and sinful act, it's recorded here. And if anyone were to read your file, they would know how guilty you are and how deserving you are of the consequences that come with those sins. But then there's Jesus Christ who also has a file. And unlike your file, if you were to look inside and read it, you would see Christ's sinless, spotless record. On every page of this file, it's not sin, but holy perfection. Here God is, Jesus is always loving the Father, always forgiving, always um, looking out for the good of his enemies. Instead of trying to dunk on them in a conversation, he's trying to win them over with love. He is holy on every page, every line of his spotless record. So his file looks different than ours. Our record is against us. Christ's record is for him. And you know what happened at the cross? Jesus takes you with your bad record, takes it away, and he takes that bad record and he puts it on Christ and then that gets nailed to the cross. Your record with Christ. And God exchanges our record and standing for Christ's record and standing. So now his spotlight record goes inside of your folder and becomes yours. And what's so cool about this is that this is a legal binding agreement where now when this happens, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you with your new record from Christ is put in Christ and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm a little nervous because this is nasty, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Okay, all right. And this is what your new hidden in Christ looks like, okay? This is you now. This is your new position in Christ, secure, untouchable, irreversible, unbelievable. This is good news. And if you're here today and you are weighed down by your sin, your record, and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, if you've never taken that step. Today, this illustration can become your reality, your story, where your sins are taken away and nailed to the cross. And in Christ, you're given his new record and his new, a new standing in his family because you would be now in Christ. And so right now, right where you're seated, you can actually pray to God and ask him to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life or if you have questions about it, we'd love to talk to you after the service. Just come down here. I'll be down here. Let's talk about it. Now, for those of you who have already crossed the line of faith, Paul says to think about your life today from the perspective of your new position in Christ, to set your hearts and to set your minds firmly here on this new reality, this new perspective. And Paul starts here 
with your new position, I think for good reason. I don't know why this is, but it seems to happen in the life of every Christian at some point in their spiritual journey. At some point, we slip into this idea that we were saved by grace, but we grow by our good effort. That's not how it works. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, our key verse for the entire study says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So just as you have received, continue. Well, how did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? By grace through faith. How do you continue? The same way you got in, right? By grace through faith. Which means how you got into the Christian life is how you grow up in the Christian life. You never graduate from the gospel. Why is this important? Because this new position gives you the confidence and the resources to live up to God's commands, something you simply cannot do on your own. This is a whole new game now because of Christ. Now, maybe an illustration would help, and I really need you to use your imaginations here uh, to, to help this work, okay? I want you to imagine you are an orphan growing up on the streets of Cleveland, Ohio in the early 1900s, you know, way back in the day. And as an orphan in the cold north, you have to steal to survive. Before long, the police know you on sight, and they chase you away from um, fancy restaurants with, with the rich food that the patrons there would sometimes hand you some, some food. And so this is your life, cold and hungry and running from the authorities without a future or a hope. One day you try to sneak into one of those fancy restaurants to get some food. The police catch you. They rough you up. They leave you face down in a gutter. But in a complete turn of events, it is there in the gutter where Mr. Rockefeller, the richest man in the country, finds you, takes pity on you. Eventually he adopts you into his family. Now these Rockefellers, they have a warm and loving family and now you're part of it. The Rockefellers are also fabulously wealthy, and so now you are too. You slowly settle into your new life, marveling at your undeserved good fortune. And years later, years later, you go back to that same restaurant that they had beat you up and tossed you out, and as you step out of your cab, you, you hesitate in front of the building. Oh my gosh, it's all coming back. But then you remember who you are. I'm a Rockefeller. And you walk inside, confident. You eat this delicious, extravagant meal with your friends, and then the bill comes, and you flip it open, and you almost panic because your mind races back to the thoughts of a penniless orphan, and you're back there in that place and think, I can't afford this. They're going to throw me in a jail. I'm done for. But then you remember your new position. You're a Rockefeller. Of course you can afford it. And thousands of other meals just like this one. And so, because of your family's wealth at your disposal, you reach into your pocketbook, you pull out your golden Rockefeller debit card, the one with your name on it, and you pay for everyone's meal in the place because your new position gives you confidence and the resources to act. Fellow Christian, your new position gives you the confidence and the resources to live out the new life you have in Christ. There is a high call. There is a high bill. There is a big bill. And if you looked at it without Christ, you would freak out and panic. Every Christian is called to be holy as God is holy. High call. 
Every Christian, no hateful thought, no lustful thought, high call. To abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. To love your enemies and forgive them. And when you see that bill, when you see that high call, you might panic and think, I don't belong here. I can't do this. There's just no way that this is for someone like me. And that's what you, why you need to do what Paul is calling them to do, to remember your new position. You are in Christ now. This is a whole different thing. And so you are secure. You belong. You're spiritually rich. Your new position gives you the confidence and the resources to live out your new life in Christ. And with that as our setup, the rest of these points go faster. Building on your new position in Christ. The second thing we see is that in Christ, I have new patterns. I have new patterns. In Christ, I have new patterns, new habits to walk in that can cultivate or produce lasting change. Look at verses five through nine. He says, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, and do not lie to each other. See, before God, we all had this way that we lived and these bad behaviors that we used to do and we used to follow the sinful inclinations of our hearts. And Paul calls them to a new kind of living, not following those behaviors, sexual sins, greed, anger, sins of speech. Because God is against that kind of behavior because it's not fitting for his kids. It just doesn't match your new position. It doesn't match who you are now. And because of his love, he calls us out and away from such behavior. So we don't, we don't want to play with fire, like Proverbs 6, 27, 28 warns us. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? No, we want to get away from that. So the first pattern that we learn that we can walk in is to stop playing and start fighting. I don't know who said it first, but they're totally right. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And that's why Paul calls us to shift from playing to fighting, from playing to fighting, from flirting with sin to destroying it in our lives. And it's strong language, put to death. Now, okay, don't fight sin like I diet, okay? Like I look in the mirror in the beginning of the day and I'm like, I really should shed some pounds, right? And then I, I snack between meals. And the next day I look in the mirror, I'm like, I really should lose <laughs> some weight. Uh, and then there's a pantry full of fatty snacks and I eat them. So uh, thinking about stopping is not the same as stopping. That's just playing with an idea. And Paul is saying it is time to get serious about the fight, to put to death the sin, to get into the fight. So that means things like taking action, like throwing off all, all, all the junk food in the pantry, or it means in another situation, maybe taking all the apps off your phone that leads you into depression or envy or into lust. Maybe even get, means getting rid of internet in your home, if that's what it takes, because we're going to stop playing and we're going to start fighting. It means changing your playgrounds and your playmates. It means taking some action before the fire of sin ravages the rest of your life. Stop playing. Start fighting. Confess. Confession's a gift. Confess before you are completely consumed. If you're here today and you're real jacked up, 
And maybe you were, you've been really good at hiding it. Let me encourage you. Let this be the day. You stop playing. You start fighting. There's nothing you can say that we haven't heard some version of. And nothing that's happened in your life or that you've done that Jesus cannot redeem. So if that's you today, I want you to come down after this service. I want to talk to you. I want to pray with you and help you take your next step. Maybe that next step for some of you, you've been hearing about this for a while, but you haven't done it. There's a ministry on Tuesday nights called Regeneration, all right? And you can walk with others who are working through their hurts, habits, and hangups and grow. Stop playing, start fighting. But there's more insight here. Paul does this in, in verses nine and 10. He says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And the second pattern that we can adopt is to replace, don't just erase. Notice Paul doesn't say just to stop things. Paul tells them to take off the old habit and then in its place to put on a new habit. Erase the bad behavior and replace it with the good behavior. When you stop doing the bad thing and start doing the good thing, it makes it harder for the bad thing to come back into your life. This is genius. So Paul gives some really helpful examples of this in Ephesians 4 when he's talking about the same exact subject. He says this in verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, erasing, and speak truthfully to your neighbor, replacing. Verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, erase that bad habit, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need, replacing. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's not just swear words. That's anything that doesn't what? What does it say next? Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So erase and replace. And so that's our second new pattern. Replace, don't just erase. This is a big deal. Sometimes you've been fighting sin for a while. You keep stopping, right? And then it comes back. Why? You gotta do what we've all learned through the 12 steps, Right? You don't just overcome your sin, you overcome it and then you help other people. You replace that in your life. New pattern number three is, I call it, draw strength from your identity in Christ. Draw strength from your identity in Christ. Verse 11 says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, when I first read this, I was a little puzzled, okay? Is, is the Bible teaching that there's no distinctions between people groups? Like, and we don't have time to fully dive into this, but here's what we can say now. Elsewhere in the Bible, the distinctions between cultures and peoples, languages and tribes is celebrated forever in eternity, which means Paul is not saying our diversity is erased in Christ. He is saying that the labels that we have used to divide us from each other and from God have no place in the Christian family because Christ came to save us all and place us all into one family. And the labels he calls out that used to divide and discourage, national divisions like the Greek and the Jew, or religious divisions, that's the circumcised or the uncircumcised, or the cultural divisions. Anyone foreign to Greek culture was automatically considered a barbarian, so anyone outside of our group, they were a barbarian. And a Scythian was a wild, savage nomad, so even worse. And then he has economic or social divisions named and called out here, slave or free. See, there was talk in that church at that time 
that if you were a Jew and circumcised and local and free, you had a better standing with God and in that community. Like we're the real Christians, we're the, the real deal, right? And Paul comes in and asserts, if a Greek, uncircumcised, barbarian or slave became a believer, they are now a full card carrying Rockefeller in the family. There are no second class citizens in the family of God. Once again, Paul's pointing back to their rich inheritance in the gospel. You are a Rockefeller. You are a son or daughter of God. You are now part of the royal family. You are secure. You belong. You are rich. And we believe that around here. At City Bridge, it doesn't matter where you're from, how much money you make, what ethnicity or race you are, you, hear me, you are wanted here. You belong here. In Christ, we are one diverse, beautiful family. So the new pattern here is to draw strength from your identity in Christ. And it's from that new identity that we draw power to change. Modern studies have already affirmed what what Paul already knew, and obviously God's a genius. Uh, Studies find that the people that change, for example, if they're trying to quit smoking, the people that change are not the people who say, I'm trying to quit. That person's leaning on their willpower, and willpower is not that powerful. And so that doesn't work. They're not the people who say, I haven't had a cigarette for 26 days. That person is leaning on their track record, and that's not powerful enough. The people who tend to quit are the people who say, I'm not a smoker anymore. Those people are drawing on their well, the well of their identity to give them power over their bad habit. And we often live up or down to the labels that we have accepted about ourselves. We live up or down to the identity that we believe about ourselves. And that's why Paul says these labels that divide and discourage, no, 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 they are not for you, not in this family. And so your new pattern is to think about yourself based on the reality that you are a beloved son or daughter of the king. That's who you are. We are all equally loved and equally belong in Christ. If you imagine arriving at heaven and you walk through the gates and there's throngs of people everywhere and Jesus comes around the corner and he, his face lights up, and he starts kind of cheering, going, oh, yes! And he comes around the corner, and he's st- walking down the golden streets toward you. Do you think he's looking at you? Or do you look behind you to see who he's really excited for? Paul is saying that your new position and your new patterns in Christ mean he's that excited to see you. There's not someone else, right, that's more special to him, more important to him, who gets him first. This is awesome. When he comes around that corner cheering, it's for you. It's for you. You are that loved. You are a full card-carrying Rockefeller. You belong in this family. Lastly, we have one more asset to look at together. And it says this uh, in in verse 12 through 17. In Christ, I have a new crew. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, in Christ, we have a new crew, a new community, a new support system to help us grow and change, a new ride or die. Without your crew, you will crumble. It's not weakness to need other people. It's arrogance to think you don't need other people. You need your crew, and your crew needs you. It is how the Formula One race car of your life was made to run at full speed with a crew. In the Bible, there is no such thing as Christian maturity without Christian community. And so if you want to grow, you need other people. And notice how Paul makes a big deal about the the characteristics, the attributes that make it easier for you to work together with other people, to be a crew, like patience and, and compassion and humility. And notice how Paul commands them to forgive. Why? Because it's so important that the crew uh, heals the rifts so you can keep running together. We take this so seriously around here that we'd rather shut the doors than stop pursuing authentic, life-giving community. So maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, that's what I'm missing, tapping into, into that asset in my life, the new crew. And so I might have done community for a while and then something didn't work out, you know, I've been taking a break, but how long are you gonna take a break? Maybe today is the day that you kind of go, oh man, I need to start that or re-engage with that and get involved in community. I need others. And if that's you, there's a connect card that you got on the way in or you can get on the way out, fill that out and write community at the bottom and then hand it to an usher or drop it in the giving boxes here around the outside of the room. Uh, And we're gonna reach out to you and help you take that next step of getting involved in community. I'm gonna go one more layer down where Paul talks about what it looks like to live together in community. One more verse. He says this in verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Let your minds and your speech and your songs be saturated with the gospel story. Tell each other over and over and over again who you really are now. And so that's why we sing songs around here that are rich with gospel truth in the lyrics. Because worship isn't just a setup for the sermon. Worship informs us and it forms us. And Paul is saying, build each other up. By telling each other, reminding each other of your new identity. Remind each other that you were once orphans on the street without a hope and without a future, running from your just punishment for your sins, hungry and hurting, and then you were adopted out of nowhere. Who could have thought this tables were turned, everything was changed, and you were now adopted into this loving family. Your debts were paid by someone else. And in Christ now, you have everything you need to grow. For me, this whole new crew thing uh, has played out on a couple different levels in my life. And the first is this. um, I've discovered a cheat code for the Christian life. And maybe you have too, okay? You see, this funny thing happens every time I sign up for a men's Bible study. I do more Bible study. (laughs) That's amazing. It turns out that if I have people kind of expecting me to do Bible study and they're gonna meet every week and we're gonna talk about what we're learning, I do more than I would on my own, all right? So tap into that cheat code. Maybe you need to sign up for men's or women's Bible study and find your crew. The second is kind of deeper. It's a little more personal, but I do want to share with you uh, the second level of this in my life. When I first moved here in 2020, I attended um, 
that regeneration ministry I talked about earlier. And I went there because I was angry at God and I felt abandoned by him. And every week I showed up and a group of fellow travelers listened to my pain. And that crew was God's love with skin on. And no matter how many verses I can quote about the vast love of God, I needed those men to show it to me for me to get it. I needed my crew. And without that crew, I would not have made it through the hardest season of my life. And so when I say you need your crew and without your crew, you're gonna crumble, I'm, I'm speaking from the authority of scripture, but also from personal experience. Find your crew. So let's go back to the question I asked at the beginning. Why can't I change? And can I just encourage you as your, as your brother in Christ here to, to think about a real situation where you are really stuck, where you would go, why can't I change here? And think about that specific situation, and I wanna ask you a few questions. In Christ, you have a new position. So when you think about that area, are you trying to achieve something spiritual without the spirit? You know, working for God, but not maybe in sync with God. Do you hear message after message and think, I really gotta work on that. I'm gonna do something about that. I'm gonna fix that. I'm gonna try harder, pull myself up by my bootstraps instead of, wait, I am flush with spiritual resources. We can totally do this. Two, in Christ, you have a new pattern. So can I, I just have to ask you, because I love you, are you playing with sin or are you really fighting? Are you replacing sin or are you just erasing sin? And are you drawing from your secure identity in Christ? And third, in Christ you have a new crew. So I wanna ask you, who knows the real you? Who knows the real you? Are you walking alone or are you working together? Because that's how it really works. In Christ, you have been given everything you need to grow. And so to help you remember this truth, we have a small gift that we're gonna give you on the way out today. It is a, a in Christ debit card for you to take with you it's a reminder card, so don't try to swipe this for lunch today, okay, and get some weird looks from people. It's just a reminder, and I don't want you to get the wrong idea as, I, as we hand these out to you today. What I'm not saying is that Jesus has given you everything you need to grow, not just swipe this card, immediately everything changes, you know, and then you wonder why God isn't working, why Dan lied to you. That's not what I'm saying, okay? God is not some cosmic vending machine that you can ask for whatever you want, whenever you want, and he's gonna give it to you. Not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm hoping. I want you to take this card and I want you to put it in your, your car or in your wallet or hang it on a mirror. And I want you to look at it and be reminded of your new identity, your new resources in Christ. It's a debit card because debit cards draw directly from the account. Credit cards you can swipe and hopefully, you know, there's something to back it up later, but there might not be. But your account in Christ is full beyond your ability to spend it all. And on the back of the card, like any card like this, there's a place for you to write your name. And I wanna encourage you over the next couple of days to sit down with this card and, and write your name on the back because it's yours. It's gotta have your name on it. And when you find yourself doing that thing that you would really like to change, I want you to look at this card and I want you to remember I have a new position. I am a Rockefeller. I am flush with spiritual resources I can draw from to overcome this. I am secure 
in Christ. I'm not getting kicked out for this. You belong. That's your name on the card because he saved you. And you are rich. You have everything you need to overcome and take your next faithful step. In Christ, we are flush with the spiritual resources we need to grow. A new position and new patterns, a new crew. I have everything I need to grow, which means now the pressure is off. This is doable. In fact, this is even in Christ. This is inevitable. Your growth, your transformation, your opportunity to take that next hill is not all on you. In fact, someone already died on the hill already won the victory, and now is your opportunity to walk in your new identity in Christ. You are his. You are in Christ. So you're gonna get these cards on the way out. I want it to be a reminder to you that when you look at it, you'll remember whose you are and what you now have to win the fight. I wanna pray for us, and the prayer I wanna pray is from the first part of the book, Colossians chapter one, because there Paul prays that, that the people in Colossae would understand how rich they got. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.